Hi guys and welcome to the latest episode of the Rugby Collective podcast. As a couple of weeks of European rugby comes to an end, we look forward to the Premiership returning. I'm once again joined by James Seagrave. James, how are we doing? Yeah, good mate. A lot of rugby. Well, because it's European, all the games are on uh, on TV, aren't they? So it's it's easy to easy to watch them all. So yeah, watched a lot of rugby. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were treated with some some proper games, weren't we, and some proper tries as well. Um, I think that the highlight that that Joe Marchant try, how good was that? If that is not the most Quinns slash bloody French style, throw it about and hope for the best style of rugby. That that's exactly what we want to see in it. Really, how good was that? Well, for me, it's poor from Montpellier. Um, You're always the bloody cynic, aren't you? Well, you've got to make touch from your own penalties. You've got to make touch. Uh, but no, great try. Marcus Smith. I know you said Joe Marchant's try, but let's be honest, Joe Marchant did very little. It was all about uh, uh, Marcus Smith and, uh, and then Caden Murley, who then passed it on to Joe Marchant. Yeah, just ripped them apart. And from one, well, from winning a penalty and then looking like they were going to into the 22 and having a decent attack, they were under their own posts. So, yeah, it's, it was an, an incredible try. Yeah, it was it was an absolute beauty one. And I think the best part was that little, sh- that dummy that was so good, Andreas Hazen fully thought he was getting the ball and drove all the way through the middle, um, was about to drive all the way through the middle. Um, he almost caught the air as well because he was, he was so bought onto that dummy. So, yeah, that, that was the best bit, wasn't it? And, and Smith. Is it me? Or has he become, he's been a bit quiet recently. Maybe. I don't know whether, whether it's because we've expected 10s out of 10s every week or maybe he's burnt out a little bit because he had such a big start to the season. But I'm just, I, I, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. He just hasn't seemed to have had the effect. Maybe teams are neutralising his effect a bit. Um, I'm not saying that maybe, or maybe it's creating space for others so he's not quite getting the headlines. I don't know. I was just thinking about it. and I, He was getting that, all the headlines man of match nearly every week earlier in the season. And it's been a good probably five, six weeks now without him really getting at that. Maybe it's just a dip in form. I don't know. I'll tell you what I think it is. I think we've become so accustomed to seeing this Quinns team play without your Marcus Smiths and Alex Dombrands that now that they've come back, they're now reclaiming the headlines with a couple of good performances that he's sort of now fallen. Because let's be fair, once Smith and Dombrand went, he was the main event 312. Let's be fair. Um and now they've well, come they back. Maybe through well, or through 10, through 12, through 15, <laughs> through 8, through 1, wherever you want to play him, he'll play there. Um, yeah, I, I certainly don't think he's been bad. I just don't think, as you say, he's not been 11 out of 10s like he's been playing. Um, but I think the sad thing overall was that it was it was Smith's missed kick that, that uh, ended up putting him out of the competition. Um, he's taking some serious stick for that as well, which I don't think is very just at all. Um, yeah, I feel for him quite a lot with that because he's taking some stick, but he was unreal in, in game. He just missed the kick at the end. Um, yeah, I don't think he deserved that that amount of stick personally. I but, think um, it's difficult over the two legs when you when it all rests on that kick, and you literally had the kick to win the game. You're always going to face a lot of stick, and it, it wasn't the most difficult kick. If you're looking at a in England fly half, they should be getting that kick. So I understand where the criticism comes from, but there was a lot of pressure on it. And it was a weird one because half of um, half the ground 
started celebrating yeah. like he got it. But um, yeah, he hadn't. So it was a bit of a weird one. But over the two legs, Marcus Smith was very good. I think you look at where Quinn's lost the game and Quinn's lost the game in the first leg when, what was it, about 35-0 at one point, something like that, in yeah. about 45 minutes, 35-0 to, to Montpellier. That's where Quinn's lost the game. Obviously, it was a good, really good comeback to even get that close. But you can't go 35-0 down to teams in the Champions Cup and expect to get anything from, from them. No, I'd agree. I'd agree. And, well, I say I agree. We It's point proven, isn't it? Point yeah. proven this weekend. Um, yeah, I think to, if, if we're honest, some of these French teams and, and especially some of the Irish teams are looking fantastic at the moment, aren't they? So I think even if Quinn did go through, they would have been up against some serious competition going forward, wouldn't they? But um, Yeah, it was definitely the best, for me, the best game Um or games, or I want to say game because it was like not one game, but you know what I mean. Both fixture over the two legs was definitely Quinn's Montpellier. Both were really exciting, really entertaining. Um, I think with the two fixtures, some of these, some of these teams, uh, some of these games had one fixture which was really entertaining, one which was uh, a bit more boring. But both of these were really good. Both teams looking to attack from all over um, both legs. And I tell you what, the tens that. Montpellier have obviously the first leg Garbisi started um and then this the second leg they had I, I'm not sure his name but a young French fly off started and uh Andre Pollard starting 12 obviously normally a 10 so you put those three and and the 10 was really good set up a couple of tries I think scored one looked really really solid so I think you put those three tens and you've got to, well I don't even think it's a debate probably at club level the three best tens for one club in rugby yeah and as you say the what options to you can have obviously it's changed a little bit now with Pollard on his way to Leicester um I don't think he's looked that great personally um obviously he comes with a hell of a reputation and we know he can play to that high standard I don't think he's looked particularly great in in Montpellier colours over this um two-legged tie personally um one player I was impressed with was Kamara seven do you see him but he's done yeah. stop Absolutely. Captain, wasn't he? Yeah, absolute powerhouse. He just keeps on going. Just one of those players who does not stop and he just absolutely carries on for fun. Um, Zach Mercer, he really showed what uh, Bath have been missing this season. Especially in the first leg. Yeah, first leg. Obviously, he was on the bench for the second leg, but first leg, he literally nearly single-handedly ripped Harlequin's new one. He was really why they were 35-0 up. because he he was just destroying them and, and yeah you you really do look at Bath and think why why have you let this man go because I'm pretty sure he didn't really want to leave but they wouldn't give him a contract so yeah certainly something like that and I think one of the things when he was playing for Bath was he didn't necessarily have the size to back up the carrying um, however now he looks like he's put on a bit of timber but good weight you know sometimes people go over to France or something and put some weight on and then they lose a lot of mobility and they don't look as powerful or strong but Zach Mercer just looks like he's hit his prime and he's absolutely going about his business in a world class affair um, and then it's nice to see Don Brandt sort of answer that in the second leg with a, with a nice strong performance but that, I, I agree with you that was almost certainly the the two-legged tie of the weekend. I suppose you could argue that Ulster versus Toulouse was also up there as well with a really close affair. Um, 
I suppose if we look at the other end of the spectrum, the second leg was much better than the first, but again, not hard to be better than this first leg, but Bristol versus Sale. Um, we, we discussed this a little bit sort of at the time and now, just before we started recording. Um, Sale seemed to properly hit an old school tactic of try and beat the opposition up as much as possible and then just sort of walk the walk the rest. And I think the discipline chart showed that. Um, but yeah, they seem to try and take Bristol's head off with every every attack, didn't they? Properly old school. Yeah, obviously they got the red card, um, which was very clear red card. I mean, Morahan did step inside, so maybe there was a slight bit of mitigation, but the height he was coming in, the winger, I can't remember who it was, but the winger's um, only fairly short himself. So there's no reason for him to be up that high. Morahan's quite tall. It's not like it's it's Nadolo on uh, Chelsea and Colby. Like you've not got that situation. That it was a shorter man on a taller man. You shouldn't you shouldn't need to be making a hit up there on the shoulder head. And it, yeah, there were several where you looked at it, and um, and it looked nasty. But I tell you what, I didn't like. There were a few times where Bristol players went down holding their head. Um, I'm glad you mentioned. And I was like, What's that about? Trying to buy penalties or by the TMO looking at it. I also saw I, I, I saw one in the Gloucester game where one of the Gloucester players did it as well. I didn't like it there. Um, what is, I think players are starting now to buy, um, but try and buy penalties. And especially they know if they go down holding their head at all, the TMO will definitely look at it. Whereas if it may be missed by the TMO, um, obviously most things aren't, but it can be missed. Obviously we get these retrospective bans. Um, so if you go down holding your head, you, you're pretty much guaranteed the TMO is going to look at it to make sure you're not, uh, to make sure it was legal. But I wasn't a fan of that. Also, I wasn't a fan. Bristol, the way they celebrated that red card, I don't mind a little cheer like, woo, like, okay, you, it's good for your team. You've got, you've, you're back on top um, and, and the players get what is deserved. But to, they celebrated like they won the bloody trophy. Like it was, I thought it was a bit much celebrating a red card like that. Yeah, I, I I think we might disagree slightly. I just want to hear your point fully here. Are you talking about the fans or the players? The fans. Okay. So I agree and I disagree. Um, I think I don't hate it when people applaud red cards if it's for something nasty, personally. Um, if there's like a properly dirty high shot or if there's like if someone punches someone or something like that, and there's a red card. I don't mind cheering, but what? Yeah, but again, I don't particularly love it either. Um, I don't mind like a bit of a cheer and a bit of an ironic woo, but it's yeah, more like over the top. The way they celebrated, it literally sounded like they just scored the match-winning try. Um, like when Joe Joyce scored that try the other week against Sarries, which got chalked off. I don't think they celebrated as loud then, and that was my that was my problem with it it was uh, the the level of it like you shouldn't and it wasn't a malicious hit he just got his height wrong a little bit um and was coming across and uh, so i don't think if yeah if you've got someone who stamps on another player and gets a red it's a bit different i think yeah i agree i agree yeah again it's something that doesn't particularly bother me but at the same time it's not something that I particularly, I don't see it and think, oh yeah, love that. Like, don't you, don't you just love it when a team goes mental for a red card? Um, yeah. 
and we will touch on on sort of some some news and some some press, good press and bad press around the fans later on in the episode because we do have a little bit to, to say on that. Um, but yeah, interesting technique uh, tactics really from Sale. Good to see a better, more high scoring second leg than the first leg because that first leg was absolutely dry as a bone. Um, but it, it certainly leaves some very tasty quarterfinal fixtures. Um, Munster versus Toulouse at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin because, of course, Ed Sheeran is playing at the home ground, which is much more important than a, a European quarterfinal. Um, absolute shambles there. Absolute shambles. Um, Leicester play Leinster, which is probably the highlight fixture of the round. Um, that could be a really big battle um, and a hell of a test for Leicester, especially. Um, then we've got the all-French affair of La Rochelle versus Montpellier. And then we finish on the Sunday with Racing versus Sale in Paris. Um, some tasty fixtures there, but it's, it's got to be Leicester versus Leinster on, on everyone's uh, lips, hasn't it, surely? Yeah, Leicester-Leinster. As soon as I saw that was the game, I was like, it's probably the best team in... Well, it's got to be the best team in England. And based on, you look at uh, four uh, on the table... And then Leinster look like they're the best team. Um, are they reigning champions, Leinster? Is it ref Leinster? I don't even know. Um, do you know? Yeah, I believe what? Um, European? Yeah. No, didn't Toulouse win it last year? I have no idea. Anyway, Leinster look like the best team in Europe, I reckon. Um, so it'll be a really, really good game. Um, maybe not as open as some of the games we've seen because of the way Leicester play. Um, they'll probably try and shut down Leinster. Um, but yeah, that, that won't be a hell of a game. I don't know. The other ones, it'll be interesting because I look at them. Toulouse haven't looked as strong as I think many of them would have thought, especially against Ulster. Ulster, for long parts of that game, looked like they were probably um, going to win that game. Um, a fair, uh, and and they, they kind of bossed it, but then Toulouse finally got on top. Um, I thought... Racing didn't look amazing either against Stade Francais. So, uh, yeah, I think... But La Rochelle may be the out, out, outside shout here because they really battered Bordeaux, like very comfortably beat them in all areas, both games. So I think La Rochelle might be the outside bet here. I love the La Rochelle team. If, you, if you're looking at actual personnel in a team, I love the way that they line up. Um, you've got ball carriers all over the pitch. Will Scouten, Unai Antonio, um, Levani Bottia, uh, Dante. You've got absolute ball carriers all over the place. Um, Zoe West is one of the best, better, more underrated players in Europe, in my opinion. Um, I think he looks fantastic. You've got the, the absolute powerhouse, which is Gregory Olreet. Olreet? 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 Gregory Olreet. Um, <laughs> We've got, yeah, you've just got absolute players all over the place. You've got experience like Victor Vito just lurking about in that back row. You, you've got a proper, proper side. Imagine Will Skelton coming off the bench for you. Oh, that's just well, Will Skelton, I, I don't know if we said it on the pod or not, but we have spoken about um, players coming from Australia and New Zealand and coming into the Premiership and really making a big standout difference. And we said, we don't actually think there's been that many Um but Will Skelton was one. He went to Sarries and absolutely dominated everyone in the league. 
um, he's just so big and strong. It's just if he gets about two yards out because of how big he is, it's nearly impossible to stop him going over. So yeah, he is he is such a player. Um, but yeah, what did you think about the two leggedness? Two oh, two leg. The two two legs. I like two legs primarily. Um, in rugby terms, um, I was a bit apprehensive to start with, and I didn't really like the idea. I quite like the one and done style fixtures where you've got to leave it all out there um, and just go for it. But then in reality, when you think about it, there's more chance of a team being a little bit more cagey because they don't want to fly out the blocks and get turned over straight away. However, what we have seen, especially in these second legs, is a team, teams will go for it to a certain extent in the first leg. And then if they're losing, especially in the second leg, then they need to come out full noise and just give it absolute grief to try and get that win. Um, and it opened up. You look at the scores sort of as like a hole over the other fixtures, um, sort of just as a in general. And you've just got you've got massive, massive score lines across all of the games. I suppose one of the great examples is um the Bristol Saris one. I don't um Bristol Sale one, sorry. It was 9-10 in the first leg, and then it was 35-29 in the second leg because both teams knew they had to come out and put a serious performance in. When you get an aggregate scores of like 82 points, 59 points, 60 points, 56 points for Tigers, you, you've got huge score lines here. And I think that's the sort of rugby that people like to see. And that's the sort of rugby that will get more people interested in the game. So that's, I've got no qualms with the two legs at all. In fact, I actually quite like it. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's kind of catch 22. Because you said, yeah, you've got these massive aggregate scores. But like you look at the first week fixtures. Like the games, you got 13, 31, okay, that's not too much, 9, 10, 9, 22, 13, 8, 10, 20. You got a lot of teams who didn't score a lot of points in that first week, and maybe the second. And so, yeah, they may be attacking a lot more in the second leg because they know they have to. But in that first leg, they were a lot tighter and a lot cagier. Whereas I think in the one, if you, they were one leg, one legged, then they know they have to come out and attack more in that first game and they can't leave anything. On the table, I think also teams were generally better in the second leg. If you're the second leg and you're at home, I'm looking at it, and only Ulster lost at home in the second leg. So I think it is, it is a benefit to be at home in the second leg. You see it in football. I think Champions League teams, most of them like to be at home in the second leg because that's, you know exactly what you have to do. Uh, and and I think that was partially why the results were so tight. Like Munster Exeter, that was a prime example. Munster went to um, Sandy Park and knew right if we can keep this fairly tight, we'll back ourselves to go and beat Exeter up fairly decently at home. So we just this leg, just keep it tight, keep it narrow, don't let them run away with it, and and we'll back ourselves at home. So I think it is difficult because you're going to find the first leg maybe not be as exciting but I think and but then and also the other thing for me was so all, most of these games I watched a lot of but the Leicester uh, Claremont game I turned off after about 20 minutes um the second leg because you looked at the score and it was just so clear that Leicester had won like it was the way Claremont were playing it was just obvious that Leicester had easily won this tie and I think that kind of which obviously you can get over the one leg, but I think being clearly out front, and I think maybe that was the one game, maybe La Rochelle-Bordeaux, you're looking at, 
Um, and obviously Leinster, Connell in that second leg, Leinster really ran away with it. But so you do get a few where it is just so one-sided that kind of don't need to watch the second leg, I guess. Yeah, and I think there's the risk of that in all competitions, especially when you're in something like a round of 16. It's it's at the quarters where competitions like this usually heat up a little bit, isn't it? And, and really gets to the, the business end of that tournament. Um, what I will say um, is before we just move on to uh, to the Challenge Cup as well, because we do want to cover a little bit of that too. Um, who do you reckon is gonna gonna take the spoils at the end of the the Champions Cup? For me, it's probably going to be Leinster. That would be my bet if they can over if they can do a job on this Leicester team at the Welford Road. I think um, they've got as good a chance as any because they're just perfect in every every facet of the game, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They look so strong, um, and they they just batter teams. Do you know what I mean? That's why I think the Connell game was a bit of a shock in the first leg because everyone kind of expected Lens to go there and absolutely dick them. And and obviously, I think what was it after the first leg? It was twenty one twenty six. So that was very tight. Whereas yeah, obviously the second leg they then ran away with it. I think James Lowe scored four. So ridiculous. Uh, and I think you were right. The winner will probably go out, come out of that Leicester Leinster game. But to lose our the the talent they've got in that team is scary. It was like against Ulster, especially that first half. Ulster were much the better side, and Toulouse were winning. Toulouse like uh, Untermat got an, uh, carved a lovely line and and sent someone under the post. Um, um, oh, Ramos, the fullback, under the post, and then he took an intercept and scored. Ulster looked so much better than them, but it was two bang plays, and Toulouse were winning fairly comfortably. So and and obviously with Dupont, Dupont didn't even play very well against. Um, Ulster for DuPont's standards and they still managed to come through that game against a very strong Ulster, I think we've spoken before, that Ulster side is very very strong and probably do a number in a lot of these teams so I think I think their squad is the one that you'd be most scared against maybe Rassin as well, Rassin have got a very very scary squad but yeah I, I would, if I had to bet it would be the winner of that Leicester-Leinster game wins overall Okay, so you think that you think that Leicester would then do a job on Tilly's or Racing if they if they were to to draw yeah. them? Okay, fair. I think isn't the draw already made? I think it's already a set structure. I'm, um, in terms of if they were to meet at sort of any stage, um, yeah. But is it's already a set structure, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. I yeah, it is. It, yeah, it is for sure. Um, I believe you... that if um, if Leicester do go through. Um, then they will be up against either Toulouse or Munster. Um, and then if they were to, to match up against the Rassin, it would be in the final, should Rassin also get to that point. Um, I think La Rochelle might do Rassin over, you know. Well, I think my personal... If I had to choose a team to win, I think it'd be La Rochelle. I quite like the way they play and their personnel. So, um, and they, they are an incredibly strong team. So it'd be interesting to see how they go. Um I expect they'll probably turn over Montpellier, but at the same time, you really don't know which Montpellier is going to turn up in a literal sense because they could throw a whole youth team out or they could throw the absolute full noise first side. So it'd be an interesting one to see. Um, so I'm saying Leinster and you're saying to lock in. Who are you saying? 
Let's go La Rochelle to not be boring. I like it. I like it. Go La Rochelle outside bet. Um, but no, that'd be certainly a, uh, an interesting one to, yeah. to keep an eye on. And it starts at three o'clock on the 7th of May. So not too long to wait at all. Um, there's a couple of big fixtures in the Challenge Cup too. Um, seeing some tasty fixtures come out as well for, for the quarterfinals of that game. I suppose the highlight result of that one was um, London Irish putting 64 points on Cast. Um, pretty serious win, to be fair, isn't it? Um, putting yeah, 64 Cass points. Casts are a decent team. Like um, they put some decent fixtures out. So yeah, it's absolutely. I don't know what the teams were. This is a challenge because you don't really know how strong the teams are. But you think this far into competition. They're going pretty full noise. Um, so, yeah, that is a massive result. Yeah, um, yeah it, it is, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think when I sort of was looking at these fixtures, I thought, oh, that'd be quite a close, uh, a close fought encounter. But no, credit to, to London Irish for seeing that one off. Um, Edinburgh battered Bath. Is that, I don't know, is that a shock after this season? No, I think that's probably to be expected, isn't it, really? Yeah, I guess other se- I'm judging that at the start of the season, if you said Edinburgh beat Bath 41 19, you go, oh, but I guess, yeah, but they've been in a bit of better form recently. So... Yeah, they've, they've been coming into it, haven't they? But Edinburgh are a, a pretty solid outfit, so yeah, regardless of how Bath has been performing, it's, it's a tough game to go, go down to Edinburgh and try and get a result, then I'd say. Um, the other game that I'd say is is the the Cardiff Saris, how close that was. I don't think many people would be thinking that would be as close as it was. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. And I was checking the, the score updates on that one because I was, I was out and couldn't watch it. So I was quite surprised to see how close it was. And I managed to tune in for the last sort of 10 minutes or so, um, which was very exciting. Um, I think one of the big results, not well, one of the big games not necessarily for the actual result, is probably the Gloucester-Northampton game, mainly from a Northampton point of view. Um, the red card to Dan Bigger sees him banned for three weeks now. So that's a bit of a blow for Northampton, especially chasing the premiership the way they are, going for that top four, five-year international choice fly half. Well, for three weeks isn't great. Um, and apparently Courtney Law's had a pretty serious injury as well to his hand. Um, oh, isn't it, I think? I also saw that apparently the bone came out and then you could see the bone. So, yeah, pretty horrible one that. And, and hopefully... Uh, he's uh, out. Um, apparently he's going to be out of the England tour of Australia. So he's done for the whole season, definitely. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And what a time to lose two of your key players as well. Um, yeah. Pretty nightmarish stuff for, for Northampton there. So hopefully they'll uh, be able to keep the a decent form up with the players that can come in for them. Um, big win for Gloucester, obviously, seeing a 31-21 victory as well. Um, sets up some interesting fixtures as well for the quarterfinals. And it doesn't feel like a subpar European tournament, this one, with the teams that you've got there. Um, Gloucester Saracens at Friday night on uh, on the 6th of May will be a, a good one. Edinburgh host Wasps on the Saturday and Leon hosts Glasgow on that Saturday and then Toulon play London Irish on the Sunday so you've got some really big fixtures um, across that weekend I suppose you'd probably say Leon are the favourites maybe Saracens um, No I think Saris have got to be favourites 
surely. They all have got to be though. Yeah, but champions, they're a Champions Cup team squad. Do you know what I mean? They've proven it this season by, well, they a second in the league fairly comfortably. Um, I think the, the only reason they're in this league is obviously because they got relegated, uh, in, in this competition, sorry, is because they got relegated. So I think Saris would be the clear favourites. Tell you what, if Gloucester beat Saris, um, they'll have gone about it the hard way because arguably Northampton was one of the harder teams to beat, play in the quarterfinals. Um, if you look at some of the other teams that got beaten, the likes of Benetton, no disrespect to Benetton or Newcastle, but Northampton's definitely a better team. Um, so yeah, if they go on to beat Saris as well, they'll have really done it the hard way. Um, but and I think that's probably the my pick of the tournament uh, pick for the next round um you look at you look at the leon squad though you've got some serious players you've got denver bomber you've got creton you've got tawafu at eight you've got lambi um it's second row you've got sopawanga playing through 10 you've got joshua to silver on the wing you've got some really top top draw players they didn't do that well against worcester though well, i hope all accounts, apparently Worcester just had an absolute stormer. Um, apparently, it was one of the better performances all season from Worcester. So I, I, that I, must I, be disappointing for that one. So uh, that so. must be really upsetting for Worcester fans. Oh, we had our best game of the season. What was the result? Thirty-one seventeen to them. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Sad on season. That's, um, that's not ideal, is it? But they're building, James. They're rebuilding. So well, yeah, but they say that every year. So at oh, some point. Don't panic, they're rebuilding. They'll come back stronger. Who would you say that, who would you say you'd back to win this? I reckon Irish have got an outside bet. She'd beat back them to beat too long. Well, you probably would, yeah. Um they, they've definitely got a chance. The, the thing with London Irish, right, is in so, something like a cup competition, they could easily go and win it because on their day, they're absolutely top draw. Um in a league, they it's different because they don't they're not consistently at that top draw sort of standard yeah. um but in a cup match if they throw everything into a cup match sort of every few weeks they could come out and they could really well i don't think anyone wants to play london irish when they're at full noise so it'd be an interesting one um so what what would you say looking at these fixtures probably Edinburgh, leon irish and then maybe the gloucester saris is too hard to call obviously they played each other at the stone x and Gloucester won by what was it a point or two? So, um, to be honest, I think it might depend on Saracen's status in terms of where they are in the league. Um, if they haven't, if they haven't secured their home semi final by that point, then I can see them rest in a couple of faces, um, purely because. But would Gloucester do the same to get top four? Well, quite potentially, but I think if you if you compare it. It, well, yeah, quite possibly, but I think if, if you're Gloucester, you want to go on a cut run regardless. So I think you you throw everything at all of your games from now on. I don't yeah, think you... Why would Sarri's not just to win the, win the cup? Like, they should look at this and realistically, they should probably win this competition. Well, I think, that the would... thing is, though, for them, what's a, what's a challenge cup? Do you know what I mean? They're, they're going to be looking at Champions Cup. And they, they're probably not going to care too much about a challenge cup. It's a trophy cabinet, are they? I don't know. It's still a cup. Would you? Yeah, um, no, you're absolutely right. But you look at the the relevance of a cup for Gloucester, someone who haven't won any any serious trophy in a while since they last won the Challenge Cup. Um, this would be huge for them. This is this will be one of the biggest things they've ever won. So 
for Saracens, it's just another cup in the cupboard, isn't it? So but they they do win the LV or whatever they want to call it um, fairly often, and you'd say that is a nothing cup. Yeah, true. Quite possibly, it'd be interesting to see anyway. It'd be worth keeping an eye on. Um, yeah, it'd definitely be worth keeping an eye on what sort of sides go out in these. Who's your pick then to um, win? I think Leon will do it personally. Um, are you talking about just to win the whole tournament or, or for yeah, fixtures yeah, yeah. on the weekend? Win the um, whole tournament. I think Leon will do it. I don't know why. I just think Leon will. Get How are they doing in top fourteen? Was that? I don't have a clue actually. All I know is they've got I'll a serious, serious side. Um, top fourteen. Not American Idol. What has come up? Amer- why has American Idol come up? <laughs> All about cookies, isn't it, mate? All about your internet cookies. They're in your your you. They all know you love a bit of pop idol. Um, um the seventh, having won seven and lost seven. Uh, lost one. Uh, won eleven and lost eleven. Right. Okay. So not great then, essentially. Um, no. Although they are, so they are a place below Rassin or two points below Rassin, and they are. Uh, what a place and a point above Claremont and two places and three points above Toulon. Okay, so not bad then, actually. I mean, when you look at this league, no wonder Montpellier are doing well. Montpellier are top, then Bordeaux, then La Rochelle, then Cast. It really shows what Irish did to them. Bloody hell. That's what I mean, yeah. Irish had a hell of a performance against them. So I'm, I'm assuming they must have rested some players because you don't go from fourth... Above Toulouse and Racing to to getting pumped like that, surely. No, that's true. I, I don't know the cash team well enough to to no. comment too much on it. Um, but to be honest, any any of these eight teams can go on and win it now. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if any any of these teams, like none, there's no massive underdog. I wouldn't say. Like I, I suppose you probably categorise Wasps as the underdog if you had to. But again, you look at this Wasps what? team on their day, it's a top draw outfit. So Yeah, we've been saying that. But you look at what well, we said about the Wasp squad this season. The Wasp squad is unbelievable. The talent they've got within their squad is is next level. So I don't know, Wasps were one... I, I think their results are underperforming. Obviously, they've had their injury problems. But you look at it, it only take like a couple of seasons ago where Wasps came out of nowhere and got to the Premiership final. Let's be honest, if you said that at the start of that season, who would have said Wasps were going to get to the final? Absolutely nobody. So, No, that's very true. That's absolutely true. Um, yeah, interesting one to keep an eye on anyway. And it's nice to see a little bit of excitement around the um, around that. And it's also nice that all four of these fixtures are now on BT Sport as well. So anyone can can tune into that. If you've It's one of those. Package. I think this tournament, it's, like, it's one of those that nobody really cares about. Until you get to this sort of stage, and then you're like, then you get a bit invested. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you go out early, oh, I didn't really matter, I didn't really care about it anyway. Oh, you get to the quarters, right? Oh, we can go on a cup run here. We, oh, we might actually get a bit of go to the cup. And I think as well, because they're played at the same final of the Champions Cup on the same weekend, it you like it, it means that, oh, yeah, I'll actually go and go and see that because then I'll get to play. Um, because uh, I'll then get to see the Champions Cup final as well. So I think it, it is good. But I think we did we spoke, spoke on this, and we're going to go into fans in a minute. But um, 
I think the problem and the good thing about the two-leggedness, two-leggedness, that is my way of saying it now, of the Champions Cup, but it did really affect, I think, the attendance of these fixtures because obviously they only got a week, no week's notice. And from what I've seen of, of the crowds in the grounds, there wasn't particularly big crowds. And I think it is always difficult. If you've only got been given a week's notice to sell, sell your ticket allocation, most places are going to struggle to to really get that many tickets out. Yeah, and I, I was at the, the Gloucester game and there was 5,000 that were in, um, which I think is very comfortably our, our worst turnout of the season. Um, so, yeah, it, it says it all really. And, and that's a, a game where you're looking at a couple of hours between. This isn't going away to Lyon or this isn't going up to Glasgow. Do you know what I mean? You don't know that, that yeah. you can't plan those games in four days. Um, and I believe apparently because West Ham were playing in France that the Worcester fans had no, they were trying to book trains and, and things to over to France and they were all fully booked um, because the West Ham fans were going over to watch a game. Um, it just makes the game look very amateur, I think. Um, yeah, which isn't, which isn't great. And I, as you mentioned, though, there is a couple of things that I want to talk about just before we move on from Europe. Um, one, there was an incident involving Dan Bigger in the in the stadium um, about uh, with a fan. And I want to make it clear: I've heard mixed reports on this about whether it was a Gloucester fan or a Northampton fan. Um, I believe it was a Northampton fan, but again, I don't want to I don't want to point the finger at either club because I don't know for certain. But a fan came over and started giving Dan Bigger some grief in the stand. Um, apparently, he came as close as he could in terms of where the barriers were, um, started giving him some grief using a few expletives whilst doing so. And then Dan Bigger jumps up and gives him a bit back because he's a normal human being and not a robot, which is allowed to be just sit there whilst he's taking a whole host of abuse um, off him. And I think credit to Dan Bigger, he got a red card. It was a red card. Um, I don't even want to go into it because they're two different facets of the game that don't even need to be compared, to be honest. Um, but he got a red card, rightfully so. He went over, he shook Chris Harris's hand, he said sorry to the boys on the pitch, and he walked off, absolutely no problems at all. Quite a gracious way to do it, more so than most in the game. Um, then he stood, he sat down in the stadium and then got a, a whole host of abuse from a drunk fan. And we're seeing more and more stories like this. Um, and I think mixed into some of these rumours about having split fans in the stadiums, it really feels like the game is starting to go in that way of not having not having that sort of... It's, it's going against the rugby, the thing that draws a lot of people to rugby, of the friendliness of, of going to... Um, go into a game, standing with the opposition, having a good crack, having a few beers because we aren't all assholes who absolutely crack on and then try and scrap everyone in sight, especially oppositions. And it feels like the more and more reports as week goes on, as weeks go on, is just drawing us away from those rugby values. And it is a real shame. And I think after the game as well, I saw um, some Northampton fans go in a bit mental at one of the stewards giving some of the stewards grief again I don't know what went on there it might have been one of the Gloucester fans gave them a bit of stick first we don't we don't know what happened there um but it's still happening um regardless of which fan base it was coming from and I don't want this to sound like an attack on Gloucester fans or Northampton fans but either way it's not nice to see 
all of this sort of hostility, um, especially when we're trying to grow the game as much as possible and bring kids into the game as much as possible. So, yeah, that's my little rant over. Um, but, yeah, it's just not nice to see. And I don't know if you've experienced anything sort of similar um, over the last few games that you've been to, Seagrave. Well, I go to very few, so... Um, because I'm a fake fan. No, because the prices. You don't even like rugby. Yeah, no, I play. I, I'm a proper one. I play, so I can't get to games. And <laughs> like some of us horses, he, right, he I've only got one up. shoulder. I've only got one um, shoulder alone. But um, no, I, I, I do get, I have, there is more reports. And I think it's since COVID, some people seem to have forgotten what um, makes rugby the, the atmosphere. Everyone feels welcome. That's why you get. I feel like you get a lot more, I, I might be wrong here, but it feels a little more family friendly. You get a lot more um, like women and, and and children that go to a rugby than I'd say a football game. Just because like the whole nature of it is a lot more friendly. Um, you know, you felt like you're never going to, you're not going to get attacked. You're not going to get any like hooligans like like um, like uh, in, in a football game. Okay, you might get the old stag do, who are a bit of a dickhead, but that is what it is. Do you know what I mean? But, but it's yeah. harmless, isn't it? They're drunk, yeah. but it's harmless. And I don't get the Northampton... I'm assuming it was a Northampton fan because a Gloucester fan going over to Dan Bigger after he's helped, effectively helped Gloucester out, giving him all around, doesn't really make sense. But yeah, it, it is it is something that um, I think shouldn't be in the game. And I think it's also one of those things where you look at Gloucester, for example, because I know the stadium the best, where the, the players sit, they're pretty much surrounded by fans. Um, they're all they're, they're in the stadium effectively, like they're in the stands um, when they when they do go off the pitch. And you wouldn't ever get that in football because the amount of abuse they they are all slightly removed because the amount of abuse that they would be shouted at and thrown at, where it's all a bit more friendly. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree because I think especially in um, even in like local rugby like I play, the amount of red cards and fights I think it has calmed down slightly now but especially when we first get, went back to playing properly after Covid start of this season the amount of red cards and fights it was almost like people would just lost how, how the game was meant to be played and and every every game it seemed like there was a red card or at least several yellow cards for fighting there was fights all the time and I mean you do get the odd scrappy you see it in the professional game as well people do get and when the, the tension's there, it is always going to get people get riled up and, and it ends up like that. But it's proper, like, full-out fistfights, punching, proper punch-ups, which you, you don't really associate where there, there is a line there normally. I, I know, obviously, in the in the professional game, it's, it's much more argy-bargy, pushy-shovey, because you can't get away with a punch because you will get, will get a long ban. But, yeah, I think it is an odd one, and I really don't want fans to be separated because it is something special about rugby being able to I know you said you had a bit of abuse yourself from a, um, an Exeter fan um, when you went down there to watch that game so it's just it's just not necessary and I, I get alcohol is a part of it but I think drinking drinking watching the game is a whole part of rugby like I know obviously in football a lot of the stadiums you're not allowed to drink on pitch side to try and stop that um abuse but I don't really want rugby to take away from its core values and uh, and really be the game that we all love so yeah I completely agree and I think one more thing I will do before we move on to some happier news um, is 
I had some grief down in Exeter, nothing, nothing serious at all, just some grief from a couple of drunk fans. Um, but because of that, I now don't have a series of abuse to give out for all Exeter fans. I had a little bit of trouble with a couple of drunk Exeter fans, <laughs> and that's it. I now don't associate all Exeter fans to be scum of the earth and never touch the the club again with a barge pole because it's disgusting that this one person was had a few too many bloody proseccos or or pints or whatever they were on, um, and now now <laughs> I just associate every single Exeter fan with being a knob. Um, but literally <laughs> after that, I walked out with an Exeter fan and had a good conversation. The amount of grief that I've seen on on social media saying. Gloucester fans are the worst people in the world, blah, blah, blah. I wish they get filled in at the stadiums. Northampton fans are awful, blah, blah, blah. Saracens fans, what a joke. People just need to chill out a little bit. Nobody says that like Saris fans, because there aren't enough of them. <laughs> True. I did see one that says, <laughs> Wolf fans are... Is there any? But that's a different yeah. thing. But no, it's the... It's the it's all good having the the banter with other fans and having the the crack, but people need to relax a little bit. And again, just to reiterate, this is why I also don't want split stadiums because I feel like it just encourages this more hostile um, atmosphere, which I'm not keen on anyway. Um, but yeah, shall we move on to something a little bit more enjoyable? Arizona, not that of the rugby collective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we will always emphasise James is separate to the organisation. <laughs> <laughs> and we do not claim him. Um, <laughs> moving on to some more positive news. Well, I say this is more positive. In some aspects, this is actually more negative. And I sent this to you before the before the podcast started because it is important that this gets highlighted um, on, on this panel. So this Leicester fan trying to see this point off as he saw the camera go, go past, that's a nightmare, isn't it? For those of you that haven't seen it, a Leicester fan picks up a beer, absolute buffalo, tries to see it off in his right hand. Um, I don't even know what he's trying to do. He takes one sip, not even a full sip at most, fails, starts spilling his pint all over the place and starts coughing his pint back up. He's had an absolute nightmare. Caught on camera, Leicester Tigers, the, the social media, have caught him up on it and shared it around just to give him a bit more grief. Oh, what a... Oh, poor. Absolutely poor. Well, I don't know what he, he's trying to be the hero, I don't even know what he, he. I don't know. I think I'm pretty sure he started choking, is, is why he hasn't been able to do it. But I'm like, you've not even had enough of your beer to start choking. Like, what are you choking on? Um, it, uh, yeah, he's just made himself look like an absolute gemmen, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, very poor effort. Um, I, I thought you were going to be talking about the, the six foot nine um winger, that's why I thought you were going with that. but... This is a good point. Also, we will mention that now, actually. So for those of you that don't know, and, and we need a full podcast on this, really, to talk about the effects of um, of America jumping into the, the stand, sort of the the um, the world of rugby, to be honest, if we're going to be if we're going to be truthful about it, because they're starting to get a bit more involved. Um, and it's good to see uh, the big thing of it is the amount of people that are coming into the game via sort of failing to get into the NFL. So the main job of a lot of these people will fly up um, 
fly up the ranks into college, play their their American football there, and then if they don't get into the NFL, some of them are now coming across into the um, the the rugby world. For those of you that don't know American football very well, a tight end is not just what happens after a kebab. It is um, a position for taller, powerful players who have also got a little bit of gas and are quite mobile. So it's almost like it's almost like a back, isn't it, really, James? In uh, I'd say it's more like uh, uh, it's like a, a Sam, hybrid. If you said Sam Simmons, he is your best tight end. Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly something like that. But either he, way, he's a bit small. Maybe more like a Dombran. Dombran got good hands generally. Um, a little bit, uh, of spe- a little bit of pace. A little bit of gas. Big, big. It's basically like a wide receiver because most people know what they are. But bigger. They're your target man. If you've got nothing else on, you throw it up to him, and he goes up in the air and tries to catch the ball. Um, exactly that. Well, there is one who plays for the Dallas Jackals over in America called Sean Clark, who has come across. He used to be a tight end at college. He is now playing um, for Dallas and he is a winger, but he stands at six foot nine. Um, <laughs> he's fairly quick. He's uh, obviously he's not, he's a big. Not. He's not quick. He's very slow. <laughs> he's quicker than your average six foot nine person. Let's put it that way. Well, yes. But. <laughs> He's got a, he's got a step to him at least, and he is he's a he's just an athlete. He's an all round athlete. And once we start getting players like this come through into into American rugby, they're going to be a powerhouse in in the world stage. Imagine going into a game and seeing someone's backline ranging from about six foot five to six foot nine. That's a yeah. crazy crazy sort of standard. Yeah. And, you look at the NFL and, and, and it's just full of it. Um, you see some of the sizes of the guys who are 350 pounds and or they're about 300, 350 pounds, um, which I don't know what that is in old money, but but it's massive. And they will run a fourth. So they, they do theirs on the 40, 40 yards sprint and they'll do a 40 yard sprint in in five, five seconds, something like that, five, six seconds. They're massive. There's no way players or, or, or people that big should be able to move as quickly as they do. So they've got absolute tanks coming out of there. And as you said, the NFL is one of the hardest um, competitions to get into in the world. So for for these people to then have to come across into rugby, imagine some of them like at props. Like you just you're just not going to be able to compete. So it would be really exciting. But I definitely think he should be more... If he's going to play it back, he should be at least a 13 because he hasn't got the outright gas. I think that's horrible. I think you're horrible. I think he's got absolute wheels. And for someone who's... 13? 13, you said it's fairly fast. I've not said he's a prop. I've said 13. Like, he's still got a bit of gas. But imagine he's probably got... Tight tight ends normally have great hands. And normally their hands are massive because he's six foot nine. Imagine his offloads he's going to get if you're a winger. No, that is very true. That is very true. The second row in me is absolutely heartbroken that they don't just play him in the row. Um, to have someone that sort of athletic, because he, he's pretty agile too for, for his size. Yeah, if you put him on top of more KGs the and play him The people in America, it's, it's not fair. They're like built different. Like, I don't understand how they can be that big and move like they do. It doesn't make sense. Like, People shouldn't move as quick or be as agile. It's like Aaron Donald, um, one of the most famous American football players. 
he's massive. And then you see him like um, on like rancones and, and agility tests and stuff. And he flies around it and he's massively agile. And it doesn't make sense. It's like a man of that size and that build shouldn't move like that. No, I'd, I'd absolutely agree. And maybe we spend a whole episode on sort of the rise of the, the American rugby. And then we do a little NFL 15 as well, just to see who we'd have in it where. That might be a nice little episode to do. Because to be honest, it is it is a big topic um, and one that we could definitely delve into much, much deeper. Um, so yeah, definitely worth a... Um, a kill. <laughs> Fair. No, that's fine. I'll sort myself out. Don't you worry about that. Don't you worry about that. Um, I think before we leave, leave you guys, um, we should probably have a look at round 23 of the Gallagher Premiership, shouldn't we? Um, look at the uh, signing of Fingy My Dog. Fingy My Dog? Fingy of course, yeah. So the, the first team that play on the, the weekend um, will be Bristol versus Gloucester. Obviously a big, um, a big derby game there. Uh, news coming out of Bristol today. Um, Antoine Freach, the, the very talented sort of versatile centre, um, will depart and will go to Munster. Um, very out of the out of the blue. A lot of people suspected it he would go back to France. Um, I think Gloucester were linked at one point. Um, but Munster come in a little bit out of the blue and uh, seal his signature for the start of next season. So it's maybe the start of the, the clear out that Bristol are expecting. Um but I think Munster have got a, a great player there, and the the prospect of Freach playing just inside of Fekitoa is a very exciting centre partnership, um, especially with Dialende um, reportedly on his way out as well. So it'd be good to see um, those two strike up a real pairing uh, next season. Um, interesting fixture, isn't it? This Bristol Gloucester one uh, on form, you'd probably back Gloucester. But in Derby games and at Ashton Gate, you never really know what to expect. Um, they were also hit with a big blow of Semi Radrada being out, and he's expected to undergo his second knee surgery of the season. Um, and I suspect he will be out for the rest of, of this season too. So not good news for Bristol, especially this close to the game. But what do you reckon? What, what are you thinking about it? It's difficult because Bristol have been good. Well, not good. But Bristol have been better recently. Um, but I don't know. I look at it, and it's it's like the sale game. I was watching it, and Bristol weren't that competitive and didn't look that good. Considering for what was it about sixty minutes, um, sale had a mountain less. Bristol. The only time Bristol looked really good was when sale went down to thirteen men. And obviously, you're going to look good against thirteen men because the amount of space you've got available, and they had a fresh Charles Pierre on the pitch. So, um, yeah, they, they're going to look good. But it'll be interesting to see whether they start the likes of Piertai, because obviously him and Rodrada have been coming off the bench in recent weeks um, to not much success, really. Uh, but I, I think I'd back Gloucester in their power. I think Bristol would do well to stop any rolling malls because their pack doesn't seem to be going too well at the moment. And I think just overall, Gloucester are in a much better place. I can't really see... Bristol doing it even though they're at home yeah I think I'd probably agree with you there um I always get nervous as, an, as a Gloucester fan um on games like this because you know that teams like Bristol have got the firepower to turn it on um yeah. especially at home it's it's whoever your one of your closest derbies is against is the team where you typically play your best rugby 
Um, so going to Washington Gate is never easy. Home fans will be absolutely gagging for a win um, and desperate for a win over a near, near and dear rival. So it's not going to be easy. And I think anything we've seen from Bristol, you can almost discount um, because, because of the, the magnitude of this game. So it'd be an interesting one to watch. I'd probably say, I think Bristol might just clutch it, but I can't say no against Gloucester. So I'm going to withdraw from this one and not make a prediction. Thank you very no, much. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, uh, let's go Gloucester. Let's go Gloucester. Um, why not, eh? Why not? I also think in terms of the top four battle for Gloucester, this game is crucial. Um, yeah, I think Gloucester. if they lose this one and other results go the way of their rivals... Um, for that top four, I think that could be Gloucester out of the conversation. Um, so, so they'll be desperate to win this one, won't they? Um, yeah. Just purely I think especially with touch. the Wasps result. Wait, did they beat the Wasps? No, they lost to Wasps. Yeah. Um, with the Wasps, it's right, I've got it right on my screen and I still don't even know. But with <laughs> the Wasps result, it made this a must win um, if they want to get top four, which I, and I feel like um, they've had a real good energy around the club, even in all the competitions. So obviously they've got to the semi-final of the, the uh, what, what is the other cup? The other cup, and, and and they got through. And yeah, the whole squad seems quite united. So I think it'd be good for them to push on and really beat a subpar Bristol. Be interesting with their new signings next season because I I saw a thing of Ellis Genge. He was on a podcast and he went, Ah, oh, are you upset about moving to Bristol? And he went, Nah. Or like, do you have any regrets? And I get it because it was where he grew up. It was his first team, team he supported. Like, but still, he's got to be looking at it like, bloody hell, I'm going to a shit club at the moment. Like, the position they're in, um, is, it doesn't look ideal for them compared to Leicester, does it? Yeah, I think Ellis Genge actually made it quite clear on the Good, Bad and the Rugby podcast that the reasons that he's going to Bristol is not is purely not because of... Um, just the rugby. Um, obviously, Leicester are playing fantastic. Bristol are underperforming. Um, I don't think for a second that Bristol are going to be anywhere near as poor as they've been this season, um, especially with some of the signings they're bringing in anyway. Um, so, yeah, obviously, it, it seems to be a lot more personal reasons for Genji going back to Bristol. So I wouldn't want to question that too much. And I know, you know, I'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing going back there anyway. Um, yeah, so my bet will be Gloucester on that one. Um, your bet is... Gloucester. Gloucester. So we'll move on to Newcastle versus London Irish. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said that London Irish would have this wrapped up already. Um, however, Newcastle have looked decent over the last couple of weeks. Put 45 points on Worcester away from home. Um, I believe this is their first home game since. I don't think they're... Oh, no, they're, they're, they did play Glasgow. Um, I'm going to go for Newcastle. Ballsy comment, ballsy statement. I, I think Newcastle might do a job. Uh, no. I okay. <laughs> so, that's just wrong, mate. <laughs> that's just wrong. Okay, no worries. You're just incorrect. The Irish are a better team. They play better rugby. Um, Newcastle beat Worcester, but let's be honest, it's Worcester. Um, yeah. No, fair. Um, fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. I think this may be the first time I've gone against London Irish this season. Um, You're biased, man. You're so biased. You're London what? Irish. London Irish. I do love London Irish, to be fair. How good are London Irish? What team? Not that good. What? Where are they in the I'm gonna league? I'm going to flip it. I'm going to flip it. London Irish. Gonna... <laughs> no, they're I'm eighth. 
They're eighth. They're not that good, man. Yeah, you're so <laughs> cynical and horrible, man. What they've had a great season. Yeah, but they're still eighth. Oh, leave them alone. You're so, you just look at everything. So they've awful. only won double the amount of games they've drawn. <laughs> Mate, don't be so worried. They've drawn four games. Who right. draws four games? I think Newcastle are going to win anyway. Um, Who's being pessimistic now? We'll revisit this argument next week when Newcastle put 50 on them. Um, <laughs> Bath versus Northampton. Again, I think this could be a surprise game and I think Bath will win. Um, I think Bath have looked better, as you say. Um, back at the wreck, a little bit of a buzz around them. I think Bath are going to win. Um, I think it'll be tight, but I think Northampton will win. Uh, I looked, just looked at their European game and they did have a full-strength team now and they got pumped. Um, so that's going to put a bit more of a negative spark in it. And Northampton are a very good team. I know they just lost to Gloucester, but Gloucester are a good team as well. Northampton are a strong team. Like we said, they have to win this to get top four, really. And when they've lost bigger before in the Six Nations, they've been all right. James Grayson looks decent. Um, or or, or Furbank for, 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 uh, for at 10. So, yeah, I reckon Northampton. Okay, absolutely. Absolutely fair enough. Um, Quinns versus Tigers. I think I think Tigers will win. Uh, I think they'll such, I think they'll grind them out. It's such it's gonna I don't know it's a very clash of styles, isn't it? Um, very much so. Leicester, if Leicester can shut down Quins, they'll win the game. Um, but can you shut down Quins? Well, if Dan Kelly plays, I think one of the we'll probably see one of the biggest battles of the season with Dan Kelly at twelve against Esther Hazen for Quins. I think that is going to be a monstrous battle. And if Dan Kelly can just Esther Hazen without giving him any space, then I think that could be a huge difference in the game. Personally. I think Kelly's problem is he's good, but he hasn't got that size of Esther Hazen. So if Esther Hazen runs at yards... He's not small. No, I know, but he's not Esther Hazen big. No, um, probably true. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. Um, Leicester looks so good. Will they care? Are they are they confirmed top yet? No, they're not, are they? They're confirmed playoff. I mean, more or less confirmed top, let's be honest. They're only eight points ahead of Saris. Right? Uh, I'm going to go Quinns, cause, just because I like disagreeing with you today. So I'm That's Quins. absolutely fair enough. I should have predicted that a mile off. Um, At home. Go on, Quinns. Play better rugby, don't they? Play better rugby. Let's go for it. Quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, Wasps versus Worcester. I, now, I think Wasps will win this one. One, because Worcester haven't been that great. Two, because um, Dion van der Merwe has broken his robes and will be out for a f- probably about eight weeks, I expect. Um, and th- four, how many, can I count to four? Is that four? We'll uh, call sorry. that four. We'll round it up to five. We'll say point number five. Um <laughs> I think Wasps fancy themselves for the top four spot. What? I think Wasps fancy themselves for fourth. Um, if you look at their what? run in comparison to others, I think they'll fancy their running over most. They're 10 points behind with, what, four games left? I think... I don't... Mate, this isn't me saying they'll get it. I just think Wasps will fancy themselves to have a late shove for top four. 
They'll need other teams to do them bloody favour. Of course. Wasps, Wasps will win this game because Worcester are shit. I um, think Wasps will beat Worcester. I think they'll go to London Irish, and I think they might do London Irish away from home. That will be the tell. If they beat London Irish, then it's definitely on. Um, they then have Sale at home, which is, will be a monumental game, especially if they beat Irish. And then I don't think Leicester will have a full noise team a week before the playoffs in the final game of the season because they would have secured top spot by then. Um, mate, I don't think they'll do it, but they're by no means out of the race. And the only reason I say this is because as soon as I put my top four predictions with Exeter, Northampton, Sale and Gloucester being the, the four prime candidates, Wasps fans were everywhere over my mentions in my DMs saying, why have I not included Wasps? So this one's for you, Wasps fans. Um, they're, they're still in the race. They're absolutely not out of it yet. They are passionate about Wasps. They're, they are out a bit, though, so... Um, bye, Wasps. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we finish recording, you're going to bed and you're, you're, you're taking a nap. 100%. 100%. Why? Bloody moody over there. You, you... I'm not. I'm just saying they ain't going to get top four. They might not even get top eight yet. Like, pipe down, Wasps fans. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Again, we do not claim James at the, <laughs> the Rugby Collective. Um, regardless, but I think Wasps will win this game because Worcester yeah. are bloody dog shit. Well, maybe, maybe. Um, final game: yeah. Saracens versus Exeter. See, this is an interesting one. I, I'm going to back Saris at home, but they haven't looked good recently. Um, yeah, they struggled against Cardiff. But Exeter haven't been at it either. So I'm going to go Saris. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Um, I also think if Saracens win this game, this will properly take the wind out of the Exeter sales um, in terms of the top four fight, purely because it's followed by a bye week as well. Um, if you go and take a bit of a tump into um, to, uh, Saracens and then you don't play for a week and then you come back, you, you might look at a Gloucester who might have better results. You might look at a Northampton, which get two wins on the bounce. You might look at a, a Sale who who win again against Newcastle in the 24th round and really put some pressure on um, Chiefs at the top. So that could really be a bit of a bit of yeah, a momentum stopper. They've got Bristol when they come back and you'd back them to beat Bristol. So Again, though, I don't know if you... It, it's, Bristol at home aren't always this season aren't always a walkover. I again you you probably say that Exeter would be the favourites if they're if they go there, but again you it's not a guaranteed win, you know. It's not it's not locked in that they that's not a if the, if Chiefs are at home, you say yeah, Chiefs are probably gonna win that game. But it's not it's not necessarily a walkover. Um but we will see. We will see. Um I think Sarri's all win. Yeah, I think Sarri's all win as well. I, I'm going to lock that one in. So, an interesting weekend of fixtures ahead. Um, all kicks off on Friday night with the Bristol-Gloucester game and the Falcons-Irish game. The top four teams really can't afford to be losing any points at the moment, which makes every fixture until the end of the season a real tough, tough fight um, to keep yourself in it and, and claim that playoff spot. Um, and even Quinns aren't safe yet. Um, 
So it's going to be an interesting weekend of rugby. Enjoy it if you can. Um, get yourself to, to any local ground. If not, they will be on BT Sport and Prem TV. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you.